Will Russian troops invade, or will they pull back? Are we on the verge of a great war in Eastern Europe? Well, we may know in the next few days. But one thing remains certain. Christians on both sides of the border are praying for peace and for each other as they hold strong to the gospel. Will you join them? I'm Charles Morris, and thank you for joining me on this episode of the Great Stories Podcast. Today, I want to take you to a part of the world where people are living in fearful preparation for the worst, war, in their hometowns and on their streets. And in a moment, you'll hear from three Christians who are broadcasting the gospel in both Russia and Ukraine through Far East Broadcasting, a global radio ministry that Haven was instrumental in founding with Bob Bowman in the late 1940s. Portions of these interviews were aired on the daily Haven Today radio program in a two-part series. But the limited airtime kept us from sharing the full conversation. Well, the rest of the story is too good to simply keep on our hard drives. So we're sharing it here in full. And as you continue to hear news and updates of what seems like imminent war in Eastern Europe, I want to challenge you to remember these broadcasters and the millions of Christians they serve in both countries. Join them in praying for peace and unity as their countries are on the brink of war. And with that, let's meet Victor, Alexei, and Alessi. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris of the West Coast of the United States. We're going to do something in these next few minutes that we've never done before. Yes, we've been to the other side of the world and back, but we're actually going to be joined by a Christian broadcaster in Russia and a Christian broadcaster in Ukraine. More on that as we get to know them and find out what uh, they do. But first, I'd like to interview for a second Victor Oktarov, and he's the head of Far East Broadcasting Company, an organization that's a sister organization for Haven Ministries. And Victor, you're in charge of all of Eastern Europe, which would include Russia, which would include Ukraine. Come on with me. Say hello. Thank you for joining me for just a moment here on the program. It's good to be here, Charles. Let's talk just a little bit about how your organization shares the gospel in both Russia and Ukraine. And it does include radio stations. Tell us about those. But it also includes much more. It does. And of course, uh, we used to be on the radio all the time. It is amazing uh, what God has been doing throughout the former Soviet Union. When when Soviet Union disintegrated, we built the first Christian station in the former Soviet Union, just on the place where the jamming station used to be that used to jam our shortwave broadcast. Just so everybody understands what you just said, your radio station was built on the station that the old Soviet Union used to jam your signal getting into the country. That's correct. We used to broadcast on on the shortwave, and then as soon as the country opened up, we we went in and started building stations. And I've been doing this for years, reaching thousands and thousands of people for Christ throughout Russia and the former Soviet Union. And then 2016, our stations in Moscow and St. Petersburg were shut down and we were looking for ways to still continue to broadcast the gospel. And this is uh, thanks to that man named Putin, who uh, <laughs> we're, 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 we, 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 I don't want to get you in trouble here, Victor, and we don't need to get into all of the background, but he did shut your stations down. 
the stations were shut down, yeah? But yeah. that didn't stop you, did it? No, not at all. Uh, e- even though it was very difficult for us, we had hundreds of thousands of listeners to those stations. But then we went online, and God created so many miracles. And we now have millions of people, and we can see those people. We can see those people as we are reaching them. Millions of people every month throughout Russia who are listening mm. to us, and about a thousand of them respond every day. Well, just so our listeners in North America understand what we're talking about, this isn't just you having somebody put a little poem up on Instagram or uh, a picture of their new kittens or something like that. That's that's not what we're talking about, is it? No, no not at all. And, and Charles, I remember I was talking to Bob Bowman. I'm old enough to, to have worked with uh, un, under his leadership. Who, who is I the... preached at his funeral, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. Uh, he, he's amazing. But, but he told me when we just started doing the uh, online ministry, he said, you know what, we did the same thing with radio when radio was new. So he said, just just go and push through and, and broadcast mm. the gospel using all the new tools that are available to you. And we did that. And today we have thousands and thousands of people who are listening and, and responding. And we have a dialogue. And we have volunteers who are reaching as the broadcast is going on. Volunteers, and there are dozens of them, are reaching to the people who respond People say, oh, it's a good program, or I hate you, or Christianity is stupid, or Muslim faith is right. And you see all those comments, and our volunteers, pastors, just just people who are helping us, and they are starting conversations online with those people. And that's how we get thousands of people into the local churches throughout the country. Mm, And it's interesting, just as we were getting ready to start our interview, I understand you have 4 to 12 million people a month coming online to either watch or listen to the programming gospel, Christ-centered programming that you're doing. Are people meeting the Lord listening to your programs? People are. Not all of them. Uh, Many of them just listening. And we are discovering it takes maybe a year for a person to reach a decision. Am I going to be a follower of Christ or this is not for me? And so many of them are responding favorably to the gospel. So many Mm. of them are not only pronouncing their belief in Christ, but they also join the local church. Because we don't want radio Christians, we want, or new media Christians, we want the real ones. And we are connecting them to, to the local churches as much as possible. So I'll tell you what, let's do, Victor. I want you to introduce two of your co-workers, one on the Russia side of the border, the other on the Ukraine side of the border. We don't know if Putin is going to invade Ukraine or not. There is great concern. He's got a troop buildup there on the border, increasing blood supplies, sending weapons. There could be war for reasons I don't understand. Introduce us to your two broadcasters that you have, and then we'll go and we'll talk to both of them. Let, let, let's do that. Uh, so let, let me introduce Alexei first. He lives in St. Petersburg. He's our program director for, for the entire Russian ministries, and uh, he's in many ways responsible for what God is doing uh, through through all, all of those new media outlets. Alexei grew up in a family of a KGB officer uh, who used to mm. spy... Uh, against China in Russia. And uh, so growing up in, in, in that environment, 
is very interesting. And at one point, uh, when he was 16, he heard the gospel. Uh, he lived in this closed town, and then Soviet Union began to change, and, and his town opened up for foreigners, and somebody just came up on the street to him and, and shared Christ with this 16-year-old guy and invited him to church. Uh, and, and he came in, and he said, for the first time in my life, I felt there's something, something real there. So, Victor, without further ado, Alexei, who's coming to us from St. Petersburg, which is near Belarus, which is bordering Ukraine, welcome for the very first time to Haven today. Yeah, hello, uh, Charles. Thank you for welcoming us and having us here on air. Victor, introduce Alessia to us. Alessia is a very special broadcaster in Ukraine. She's the daughter of a broadcaster that I worked with for many years. He used to broadcast uh, from shortwave still. He mm -hmm. happened to be blind. Blind preacher mm -hmm. uh, fits well with radio. Uh, so a lot of people throughout the Soviet Union know Alicia's father. He went to be with the Lord recently, COVID. But he lived such a remarkable uh, life. Alicia started to, uh, to do broadcasts as a very young person. Uh, she would be invited when she was, I think, 15, 16, and she's very, very alive. She's laughing a lot, and she talks a lot, which is good for radio. And, and today she's, she's married, has, has a family, and when the war started, she lost two of her cousins who were our volunteers who died for Christian faith. And so she's coming from that background, mm. a father preacher, people who gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. And still she's able to bring so much energy and joy and and the power that is coming from God. And you can feel that. And, and she's very well educated. She has a PhD. She's teaching English at the local university. But it's not what's attracting people, really. It's this personality and the love of Jesus that she has in her heart. Mm. Well, let's meet Alicia, and let's go ahead and get started talking to the two of them. Viktor Akhtarov, who's uh, the head of Far East Broadcasting Eurasia director, and uh, he's over Ukraine and Russia. Thank you. The Lord be with you. Alessia, welcome to Haven Today for the first time. <laughs> After such introduction, I should dance or sing or something. Hello. Hello, Charles. We've got you on the Ukraine side of the border. FEBC has seven stations. You cover almost the entire country every day. You do a program that airs on all of those stations all across the country. And we'll bring Alexei in again in just a moment. He's listening in from the Russian side, St. Petersburg. Are your listeners afraid right now? Do they think there's going to be an invasion by Putin and the Russian army? Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of us who live on the east of Ukraine and who survived in 2014... These events, they're like, you know, flashback. It's, it's something as you, when you give birth for the second time, you know, when you know how it's going to be like and you don't like it and you have this feeling that you, you can die. There is a lot of fear. There is a lot of, I would say, people who are lost. It's the absence of hope economically, mm. politically, mm. Military, no hope. 
And this is a desperate feeling, Charles. Mm. 2014, just so our listeners can put that in perspective, that was when Russia invaded Crimea, which has traditionally been part of Ukraine, right? Right. It's also the war, the Russian-Ukrainian war started in Slovyansk, the very town where I was born, I give birth to my children and where I currently live. It started on April the 12th, and I remember the day perfectly because I couldn't believe it. We had to flee, and then 99% of us came back to our land because it's difficult to start a new life without house and without business, without job. So when the military, the active phase of military operation on the east of Ukraine in Slovyansk ended, we came back. And we lived these eight years sometimes trying to forget what happened, but it's part of you. It's part of mm. me. I am wounded. I try to be nice. I try to be happy. But this is part of me. And I accept this part of me. This is what mm -hmm. the Lord gave me. Even as a Christian, it's hard to love your neighbor, isn't it? I was praying with my kids and we pray as a family every night. And Maria, she's the youngest one. And she says, Mom, why do you ask God to save us? He could not save Ukraine in 2014. Why do you keep asking him? And I said, no, no. I mean, he saved us. We're alive. And he is our refuge. I have a huge responsibility. Even when I feel desperate, when I see my children, I, I say, God, you know that I'm struggling. You know I cannot do it. I Yes, sometimes I cannot love people, Charles. Yes, but I mm. say, God, mm. let me not to hate. That's what I want from you. Let's go to Russia right now. Alexei, I hope you're still on with us. Let me just ask you a bold question. Are you pro-Russia or pro-Ukraine? I have a privilege to answer this question. I am pro-Christ. So I'm so lucky to be, to be a Christian. I'm so lucky that I, we have uh, someone who is above Mm. Oh, presidents, mm. oh, borders, and who teaches us to love and who really gave us a real example of this sacrificial life. So, yeah, I think, of course, I, I'm Russian. So I was born Russian. My parents and grandparents are Russian. And uh, I have very mixed feelings about all these things because it's a shame that Russia invaded uh, some territories of Ukraine. It's a shame that we started this uh, war and still um, we are making those people who live in Ukraine afraid of us. I think it's, it's, it's a big mm -hmm. shame and we pray for it uh, every Sunday and every day. Uh, we pray that God will s stop this war and somehow give wisdom or I don't know what repentance to our leaders. Yeah, and so I'm as a representative of Russian nation, I think I'm somehow responsible for these events. And uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, I feel very uneasy about it. But uh, again, as a Christian, I'm so glad that I have brothers and sisters who uh, live in Ukraine, who welcome me as a, as their brother. So it's a, it's a blessing, it's a privilege, it's a the reason for my praise and gratitude to our Lord. We'll get back in a moment, Alexei, to uh, what's going on right now. But let, let's just go back and let me ask one question about your history, your life. When you first were invited at age 16 to go to a church, 
You heard the gospel for the very first time, but your father, your relatives were in the KJB. Were they afraid of you at that church? Did they think you were a spy? So I was 16. I didn't want to hear my parents' advices about my spiritual life. So I believe that I can do whatever I want. It's interesting that my father mostly supported me that time. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was the end of the Soviet Union. Uh, it was, uh, Soviet Union already collapsed. Uh, to that moment, it was uh, 1993. Uh, so, and... Um, Many, many people in Russia were seeking for the new basis for their lives, and my father did as well. And so he actually, that's why he supported my uh, spiritual uh, searches, but he, 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 just, he just told me that he was taught to fight against evangelical churches. So it was uh, one mm-hmm. of the subjects uh, in the education, and they were trained how to fight back against uh, Christians and evangelicals, uh, especially. But but he was mostly okay at that time. And my mother was a little bit afraid of my decision because uh, she she was afraid that communism, uh, communist party will come back to to the power, and she she was afraid that I would have problems uh, if they will come back. So and she was a little bit nervous. But th- thankfully, she is now a Christian. So and now. Here today, you're not just a Christian yourself, you're a Christian broadcaster. Let's go back to Ukraine again. And Alicia, the threat of war is right there where you are today. You and your family, your children. What are you praying every day? What are you broadcasting that would be of help to your listeners on the broadcast that you're doing all the across Ukraine every day. Yes, if Alexei's story is very clear, mine is very complicated. My mom is from Russia. My dad is from Ukraine. I was born during the Soviet Union. I spoke all my life Russian. And then I started to speak. It was my choice choice to speak Ukrainian. And I, I mean, I'm, I can understand everybody. Pro-Russian people who are my neighbors, I can understand them. I can understand pro-Ukrainian people because this is my country, okay? And I'm here, I'm one of them. When I'm broadcasting, they know me. They know me because we go shopping together. They know me because my children go to the same school because sometimes we also have some, you know, my children have some fights with their children. I mean, I'm part of the community and that's why they accept me. I mean, I am theirs, they are mine, we are, we are one family, one community. And that's why it gives me this, so to say, right, or it gives me, which word should I use? I can serve all of them. Charles, I have a very strong political outlook, and I struggle to understand who am I, Charles. I had that struggle, and I, I needed to know who am I. And the Lord Jesus... This, I don't want to repeat Alexei's sweet story, but this is what happens to me. When my dad came to be with the Lord, I said, God, I want, I want to my dad. My motherland is not Ukraine or Russia or Israel or whatever. My motherland and my goal is to go to Jesus, to see my dad and to see my brothers and sisters. It helped me. It changed my 
some of my strong beliefs. So yes, mm-hmm. we serve the the local women. We serve the sh- uh, soldiers. You know, we have female soldiers who operate heavy art- artillery. You know, who the soldiers who are like tough, beautiful and tough. Mm-hmm. Ukrainians can mm-hmm. be beautiful and tough, you know. <laughs> and yes, we can serve the widows. If you know uh, about 14,000 people died during this Russian-Ukrainian war and sons and fathers, grandfathers and brothers, they just died. And we have women who are, who are just, again, I use this word lost. Lost because without a man in Ukraine, it's difficult. We have gardens, mm. you know, we, we have to do a lot with our own hands and you need man's help. So, um, FABC Ukraine and me personally and our staff, we serve those women and men, of course, but I serve mostly women. And I try to broadcast the good news of Jesus Christ. When my dad went to be with the Lord, first time I was lost. I mean, I loved my dad so desperately and I was kind of angry with God. I said, I wasn't ready. You couldn't take him because, because... Because I felt like God was with me, that close I was to my God, to my father. But then I, I saw that God uses my weakness because I cried to God. I can serve those who, who are crying. You know, I was too happy. I was too long too happy. And now having my struggles, I'm starting to be humbled. I'm not humble, Charles, but I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And Ukrainians... And Ukrainian women, they are like me in a, in a lot of ways. And they understand me and I understand them. And they're lost without hope. And sometimes I feel lost as well. But the Lord Jesus, who, who heals my heart, he can heal their hearts as well. And they can see because I used to be sad and desperate. And with God's help, I'm getting, I'm blossoming, is this? I'm blossoming, if you don't see. Blessing? Yes, yes, because of God's help. Amen. 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 Alessia, one more question, and then we're going to go back to St. Petersburg and Alexei. On the brink of war, do you find, are you hearing from Ukrainians that are turning to the Lord and meeting Jesus as their Savior, not knowing what their future will be between Russia and Ukraine, whether there will be an invasion or not? Yes, there is a Ukrainian proverb which says, Jak trivoha, tak da Boha, which says, when there is a trouble, you run to God. And this is mm. what happens sometimes. Yes, yes. Some of the, of the Ukrainian, especially youth, as a professor, I work with the youth, and um, I, I, I see they try to hide their fear in social media, you know, on internet, but they, they are afraid. They are literally afraid because we work in Zoom. We are separated. There is nothing that can, can help them to stop being afraid. Yes, some of the people are trying to, and asking me, why? Why are you so calm? Why you do not panic? Because I say, I literally, there is nothing I can say except I trust God. In God we trust it's not mm. written in, on Ukrainian Grivna, but we should write it. <laughs> in God we mm. trust. And mm. unfortunately, some of the Ukrainians, they, they, they don't want to speak or believe in God. Those are the most difficult audience. 
but they don't comment on my program, but I know they're listening. One of my mm -hmm. friends, she said, my father, who hates God and everything connected with religion, one day she entered his room and she saw him listening or watching whatever our program <laughs> alive. He was listening, but he said, no, I don't believe. No, just stupid <laughs> lady. And yet he's tuning in and listening yes, to your broadcast. Yes, because there's no alternative. Well, oh, my, well, of course there's not. Well, let's go back to St. Petersburg. Alexei, let me ask you, I remember in the 1993, I think you said it was, when the Soviet Union fell, Russia became Russia again, there was great trouble, but there was a great revival that took place for a few years. Do you still see any signs of that? With the possibility of Russia invading Ukraine right now, are people still coming to faith in Jesus? Are they hungry for the gospel? Of course, people are hungry. You know, people become, are becoming more and more disappointed with the current situation, especially young people. So they are looking for the meaning, they are looking for re real values uh, in their lives. So when we have, so this is the reason why we have <laughs> millions of views uh, um, every month. So because people are looking for, for answers. And unfortunately, there are no many uh, places in Russia where they can find this vital dialogue about truth or meanings. If you are talking about uh, uh, secular media, they just want to make you laughing or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe propaganda. I mean, if you're talking about official um, um, media. Nobody watches that, though. Yeah, Nobody yeah, watches yeah. or listens to that, though. So we're not worried about that. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. And again, there is a generational, generational gap. Those who are older than 55, they mostly watch official TV. And those who are younger... So this is a majority of Russians. They mostly on internet, on social networks. So this is the main reason we uh, broadcast our, uh, our programs there. So we want to talk with people. We want to involve them into dial in the meaningful dialogue. And so we are so grateful that people respond. And we have different type of responses. And for example, just recently uh, we received a message from a guy. He said, "I'm an atheist." And I, I hate so I, I always thought that Christianity is something ridiculous, something stupid, something for mm. just old people who mm. don't want to think uh, really about anything. Uh, but he said that s s when I started listening to your programs, watching to your programs, I found that there is something in it. You changed my attitude about Christianity. You, you are so vulnerable and honest that I started following your programs and now I think that Christianity is something in it so thank you that you changed my attitude and we still praying for this guy and for thousands of others who respond in this way and of course sometimes mm. we have great stories when people come to faith like the, the guy with the same name is, is the, the mine Alexei uh, he works uh, on the railroad he wrote to us he once broke his leg and that's why he had to stay at home and he had a lot of time. So he was scrolling his page on social networks and he just occasionally found our program. He started to watch into it and then he came to Christ. So, mm. yeah, and mm. we could, uh, yeah, it was great because we uh, then could visit him and uh, so, and we saw pictures from his baptism. So it's such a great thing. But we are still praying for his wife. 
This is just a few examples of I mean, thousands of people who respond, and that's why I'm, I, you know, I'm optimistic. Not about Russian policy, not about Putin, not about even our political future. I don't know about it, but I'm optimistic about the power of the gospel because I can see it changes people's lives every day. So that's why, Amen. yeah, I'm still, Amen. I'm an optimist. I mean, Christian optimist. I believe in the resurrection. So, <laughs> hey, uh, that's where it counts, right? Thank you, Alexei. Okay, let's leave Russia. Let's go back to Ukraine. Still, still with me, Alicia. I have a question that I ask everybody, just about everybody that's an interview guest on the program. I want to ask you before we have to go, and before we pray, what does Jesus mean to you? Oh, Jesus is my elder brother. I was uh, reading James today, and it says that, that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And I was like, God, you blesses me. I have so many temptations and testings. And then like, I felt, you know, when you say something and you feel, no, something is wrong. And I opened my Bible again, and I was reading the verse, and it says, no. God blesses those who passionately endure temptations. And I said, mm. okay, here's the secret. I need patiently go through my temptations. And mm -hmm. I started to pray. And for some reason, I said, Jesus, thank you for being my older brother. Jesus Christ is a, is a God and my relative. I have the same blood as Jesus. God saved mm. me from hell. And I'm very brave. Because I have my, my brother Edward, who is big and strong, but my brother Jesus is even bigger and al almighty God. So, yes, mm. Alicia, Jesus' sister. Let's go back to Russia again. Alexei, what does Jesus mean to you? I know you teach in a seminary, so don't give me a theological <laughs> answer. Give me a hard answer. So, yeah, I want just to be very intimate in my answer. Uh, for me, Jesus is someone who gives me the reason to wake up every morning. So he's the meaning of my life. He's someone with, with whom I can't survive. So I had some experiences in my, in my life when I was really disappointed in myself, where mm -hmm. I saw that I'm so weak and unreliable. And he's the one who gathers me together. Without him, there is no reason to to live. There is no re there is nothing except him. Mm. So he's just everything. Mm. He gives meaning for me every second of my life. Mm. Well, thank you very much, both of you. We should pray on the brink of war. Let's go back to Ukraine. But Alexei, don't leave. I want to have you pray too, Alessia. Would you lead us in prayer right now? Pray for the gospel. Please pray for the peace that we all need in our lives, but you need especially in Ukraine right now. Dear God, in Jesus' name, we come together before you. We stay in all before you. We know that you are a faithful God. You are the one who was faithful, who is faithful, and who will be faithful forever. Thank you, God, that you understand us, that you accept us unconditionally. God, that you love me. I, I appreciate it so much that I belong to your family, that one day I will see you with my eyes. Help me to have a pure heart because those who have a pure heart will see you 
I want to look into your eyes. I want to ask you so many questions, God. But before I'm here, I want to be humble enough to endure the testing and temptation because you say you mm. will bless me. Mm. God, I mm. thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in the United States, in Russia, in Ukraine, all over the world. You're the one who unite us by your blood. You send your son who died for me, for my sins, for the sins of the whole world. And you give us Christians the beautiful opportunity to serve each other. God, to serve via radio, social media, tete-a-tete conversation. You just help us to be, you know, sensitive, to be real, to be, to be like you. Help, us, help me to have your heart, to humble myself when I'm too naughty, God, to, to please you, God. This is what I want to do. Please bless our listeners, our listeners from Russia and from Ukraine. Please bless our helpline where our consultants provide psychological and spiritual help and we serve both countries. Help us to really listen to the, their needs. Help us to really pray for them. God, help us to love each other. And I pray for peace. I pray for peace between our countries, between Ukraine mm. and Russia. Mm. God, you're God Almighty. The Bible says somewhere that you can send peace or you can stop the war. In the Old Testament, you stop the war so many times by miracles. And this isn't what I believe. Not politicians, not our wisdom, but the God Almighty who protected Israel thousands of times. Who says, if you humble before me, I will go before you and I will be your protector and I will be your supplier. God, thank you that you change us, that you change us our hearts that you open the perspective that we can serve our listeners not only on earth but we can be friends with them in heaven with Jesus our brother one day this is what I want to see I want to see people who listen to our radio and who were saved God help help us to really to keep it in mind when we feel you know feel not that happy that we're that this seed is eternal that the holy spirit you are working when we speak when we speak the truth that is you who are working i love you god i love you very much and you know it please bless us please bless charles and victor and alexei and troy and all the listeners thank you for their support i know that prayers make difference prayer it's it's about mir- miracles thank you god in jesus name i pray amen Amen. And now back to Russia. Alexei, would you lead us in prayer? Dear Lord, you are above everyone. You are above us. You are above political leaders. And first of all, I pray for this current situation. Please, Lord, stop us from bloodshedding. Stop our government give them, I don't know, wisdom or repentance or just please stop stop them from making these wrong and awful decisions. Dear Lord, please protect my brothers and sisters and all peaceful people in Ukraine uh, from the war, from any, any troubles. We are praying for, for the peace. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be part of your family. That includes mm. Russians, Ukrainians, Americans, Australians, 
people from all over the world. I thank you for my, uh, and I'm especially uh, thankful for my brothers and sisters in Ukraine who embrace me as their brother in Christ. I'm thankful, thankful for the opportunity to serve with them together in spreading the gospel. Please bless us to be faithful to you and being able to share your love, to share your beauty, to share your gospel with everyone uh, who really needs us to, with ev everyone who is uh, live nearby. So, and uh, I pray for people in Ukraine and Russia who are so desperate, who really needs you and who even don't know about you. So give us wisdom, give us a power, give us encouragement to reach them with your beautiful and eternal gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alexei in Russia, thank you for joining me. Thank you to your listeners that they think about us and pray about us. It's such a joy to know that there are brothers and sisters all over the world who are thinking and praying for us. And over to the Ukraine side, Alessia with Far East Broadcasting. Uh, thank you so much for blessing us, for praying with us, for answering my questions, for encouraging us to be praying for you right thank now. You, thank you, Charles. I want to interview you one day. Now let's go back to Viktor Akhtarov. Remember, he's the director of operations for Eurasia at FEBC. Victor, we talked about it when we began, but let's think about this again. You used to have radio stations in Russia. Those were shut down by your government a few years back. You do have seven stations that are broadcasting all across Ukraine, and the gospel is going forward on both sides of the border. But would you say social media is reaching more than your broadcasting used to? Well, there are definitely more. Definitely we are reaching more uh, because we, we used to have uh, 150,000 listeners in Moscow and St. Petersburg to our stations, which is a huge number. If you know anything about radio, you, you understand sure. it's, it's a huge, uh, huge number of listeners. And we were kind of devastated when it stopped. But then uh, God opened doors for us that we never expected to go through. Mm. And it is millions of listeners uh, who are there for us, and we see them. We see how they listen. We see their faces. We see their comments. And uh, we create this dialogue. Uh, and that's a dream of ours to have this. And one of FEBC's mottos is being close to the listener. And these uh, social media networks, and there are several of them, we use all of them, are allowing us to be as close as possible. It's, it's on their phone, it's on their computer screen, they can type a question and it appears right there, and either the broadcaster or uh, the volunteer or somebody who is helping us is answering that, so we create this massive dialogue. And it is amazing how many people come to know Christ because of this. Mm. One of the things I think I should mention is um, the broadcasting you're doing is that's using social media, and in Ukraine, you're using radio stations too. Yes. But you're doing social media where someone can actually watch the broadcaster at the same time, or if they are not in a position to have a monitor, they can just listen, right? You're doing both. They can listen, yes. They can watch, they can respond, they can call toll-free, 
and it is such a close connection and people can see you we we are not going into kind of television kind of uh, visuals right, we are right. radio still still radio just visual radio we call it so just uh, just a talking a, r- a radio head radio face like i have exactly you you could do the tv part i just have to do the radio part victor we talked and i would encourage any of our listeners that missed yesterday's program to please go to our website afterwards Listen to those two broadcasters uh, who are on your team, one on the Russia side, one on Ukraine side. We're on the brink of war right now. I don't understand why. I don't know if anybody understands why. I don't even know if Putin knows if he's going to invade or not right now. But we are on the brink of war in a part of the world, and it could bring other countries into that from the West, from NATO, other countries as well. But let's turn the clock back a little bit. Let's go to 2014. You have been on the front line for the gospel of Jesus Christ for a long time, but something very damaging happened in your ministry in 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea. And I, I, I hate to even bring it up, but I know you're willing to talk about it. Tell me what happened in 2014. And did the Lord get the last word after that tragedy happened? Tell us that story, Victor. Well, when Crimea was annexed, um, uh, so some people in Russia thought that uh, eastern Ukraine would, would also be uh, kind of uh, annexed by Russia. So some of the Russian forces came into the city of Slavyansk in eastern Ukraine, and they created this, this revolution uh, there. And um, uh, it didn't fall, and people, people did not join them, and they did not know what was going on. Some people did, and it it was very difficult. And God allowed us to open uh, a station, the first FM station in Ukraine, in that exact city. So, mm. uh, so the people uh, who were rebels, people from Russia, people rebels, local rebels in Ukraine, they they came and and. St- stole everything from our station, took all the equipment out, and the tower fell. And uh, and we were thinking, what, what do we do? But that's equipment. When they came to our brothers, four volunteers that we had, and one of them, one of them was a very active, very joyful broadcaster. Um, his, uh, his name is also Victor, and uh, he grew up in a non-Christian family. And uh, he was so good in connecting to non-Christians because we are missionary radio and, and we are um, broadcasting to non-Christians. Uh, we're sharing the gospel with those who don't know Christ. And he was mm. one of the best. He was so joyful and he would come on Monday and say, hey, I went fishing on Saturday. Um, it was great. I had some you know, a fellowship with my friends. And on Sunday, I went to church and look what happened in the church. And he would share and people would respond and and he would talk about, well, this is how I quit smoking because God helped me. Very, very relevant and, and very joyful, very engaging personality. And then um, they were just arrested by the rebels. Uh, and mm. it was uh, sudden. They did not know what, what it was all about. They were not political. And um, as we later learned, um, they just they just hated Christians, 
and mm. um, I, I don't know how to how to share the story. There there are so many aspects of it, but but maybe maybe the best way to to tell you the story from the eyes of a non-Christian lady who was there at the cellar where they were kept, and she was relating the story to me, and she said, "There's this big big kind of room um, where they kept them." And she said, something started to happen, and I was really afraid that, that something bad is, is, is going to happen when they took your four brothers and they covered their eyes uh, with duct tape. And they mm-hmm. put them in this, in this cage um, uh, that was there for some, keeping some of the equipment, and they locked the cage. And they took those, those big pieces of wood and she said I, I just turned away I, I went to, to the other side of the room and two sounds I could hear coming from from that room is their bones being broken mm. and they were singing your mm. Christian songs mm. and this lady looked looked uh, into my eyes and said uh, Victor I don't know what you Christians have inside of you I was standing next next to the building with uh, one of the uh, one of the brothers' wives, uh, and and she was Natalia was standing with me, and that was the building where my father was kept during Soviet times, like uh, 35 years ago, when he was arrested for his Christian faith, and mm. uh, and he was kept in that building, and I stood there. Uh, was the wife of of Victor uh, and and we were praying together. Charles, it felt like I was standing on the holy ground. Uh, mm. I never felt such closeness with another sister in Christ as as we shared in 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 her in her pain, in her joy, in the depth of the experience, in the suffering of the church. Uh, we felt belonging uh, to, to to the church uh, suffering, and mm. uh, and this is the people that I get to serve with. This is the people that we, as uh, members of FEBC, as and those who are praying for FEBC, as those people who um, uh, who care about uh, Christians and future Christians, especially in in Ukraine. Uh, we are all in this family. Uh, some give their lives to Jesus, and and some uh, pray for us. And all of us are mm-hmm. in the same family. If we were to pray for you, and I'd like to pray for you and your team right now, how can we, most of our listeners in North America, Canada, the United States, how can we pray for you Uh and you're in a crisis right now. That was a crisis in 2014. We're in a crisis right now. How can we pray for you and your ministry that's still going forth at this point on both sides of the border? Oh, Charles, we, we were just having, uh, we, we have a group of counselors and this group is growing because we have so many calls. Uh, people are in distress. People in, uh, are in fear and more and more people are calling us. We just had an emergency meeting of our uh, counselors who are evangelistic counselors. People are calling in and, and they're talking to them and bringing them to the saving knowledge of Christ and connecting them to the, to the local church. And um, they are so overwhelmed. Uh, they are working nonstop. I was talking to one, one of them, a lady about my age, um, may, maybe 50, 
and she kind of casually told me, well, uh, just just now in the past few hours, I, I was on the phone, I talked to, to five people, one of them was suicidal, Jesus saved him, and, and she went home to cook dinner for, uh, for, her, for her family. This is what, what they are going through. And so my, my prayer is for them, for our broadcasters to be strong, to be, uh, to be powerful, uh, to, especially in this moment of mm. great fear for the country, uh, uh, to, be, to be ministers of the gospel, to be ministers of hope, to bring the love of Jesus to, to people while their hearts are hurting, but, uh, but are open. We need to seize this moment, and we need the power of God to do that. We, we are incapable of doing this ourselves. So please pray for our team, and especially, especially pray for the listeners, and especially for the listeners who are kind of there on the verge of uh, accepting the gospel. Uh, in Ukraine, we have several million people like that who listen to us for a while, who understand the basics of the gospel, uh, who called us uh, and uh, may, maybe wrote to us, who are engaged and still are uh, to make the decision for Christ. Especially pray for those listeners to do this final and most important step. Let me just pray shortly. Lord, I just lift up my brother. I lift up his team. I lift up your churches that are right now, especially right on the border. I pray that you would minister to Christians who are afraid, who are discouraged, but I also pray that you would use this as an opportunity, as a season, especially use Far East Broadcasting to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Give courage to my brother Victor and everyone who's one of their broadcasters I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you think about what's going on in the world today, and uh, do you think non-Christians are more or less afraid than Christians are in Ukraine right now for what might happen? They're definitely more, more, more afraid. Definitely more afraid. Many of them are trying to hide their fear, but the moment you start start speaking to them and about the war, about the possibility of war, about, you know, what, what they are planning for their family. We are doing uh, a set of meetings for, uh, for ladies mm -hmm. who live in eastern Ukraine. So some of our broadcasters, some of uh, our trained uh, counselors came in and, and they started talking. They used uh, the local churches to, to be a base uh, to bring people in and introduce them to the church and talk to them about, about their issues. And, you know, those Ukrainian ladies, the, their towns are just devastated. But they come and, and they mm -hmm. look very nice, you know, mm -hmm. mascara and everything. Uh, and they come and they laugh and they drink tea and they share a little bit. And then, uh, and then our people ask them about their fears, about uh, the possibility of war, uh, about what they are actually afraid of. It gets serious. Get get serious fast, then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People start crying. People start sharing. Some of them just just cannot stop crying. They're sobbing. Some of them are blaming God. You know, mm. totally non-Christian ladies. But where is God? Where was mm. God when my child died? Mm. And you understand those mm. those cries, and we are there, uh, being as close to them as possible, hugging them, 
telling them that Jesus is there for them. He loves them. Uh, he has eternal purpose for their lives in the midst of all of that. And this is what, what our broadcasts are all about, listening to, to the people who are there. And definitely they're uh, afraid. Um, uh, yeah, yesterday we talk, talked about, uh, about uh, one of our broadcasters who, who died from COVID. And um, I was talking to his, to his son, who is part of the ministry now, and, and he was uh, at the funeral place. And he said, my classmate uh, was uh, burying her mom, mm. also died from COVID. And she said, we kind of uh, walked and looked into each other's eyes. And she said, I saw such hopelessness in her eyes. And I realized mm. how much hope I have in Jesus. That's the key difference. And that uh, hope is allowing our, our people to truly minister to their neighbors. They're going through the same thing, but mm. in a very different mode. Fear is not what, uh, what we live by, mm. faith. I don't want this to sound like like beautiful saying. It is what we truly live day to day. Well, I, I want to say this. I mean, where I live, I mean, sure, someone could break into my house tonight. Someone could kill me tonight. Something terrible could happen. But I don't live in a state of fear. People around you live in a state of fear. The story you told a few minutes ago about what happened during the Crimea War when Russia invaded Crimea, eastern Ukraine, same thing. This could be happening again. I feel like you're on the front line. People on your team are on the front line. I'm so far behind the front line, and so many of our listeners are too. But we need to get real about our faith, all of us, don't we? Faith is serious. Leading people to Christ is serious, and especially if you're on the front line and you could die tomorrow. Speaking about front lines, uh, one of our people, one of our ministers, uh, actually, what he does, he goes to the very front line, and he's talking to the soldiers, and uh, and he's praying with them, and, and they're opening their hearts, and he records their stories, and uh, mm. and then we broadcast those stories and talk with the pastor about what what they're going through, and and people respond uh, in in such great ways because they hear their own voices, they they hear their own fears being expressed, as as those soldiers. And then we talk to their families. Mm. Uh, and and this minister, uh, his name is Eugene, was telling me at one point, uh, and he said, "Don't tell this to my wife because she's not going to let me go oh. again." Um, but could fear bullets flying, mm. flying by. Mm. And you talk to the soldiers, and they're standing, and you cannot even get into hiding because th those men are not afraid. Mm. Uh, but at one point, he said, said they, uh, they were so desperate. They were, they were fighting through for three days straight, and, and, and they were saying, hey, Eugene, you're, you're kind of preaching uh, the gospel to us. We, we understand. You're telling us that God really cares. How about he would give us one night of rest? Mm. Maybe he can do something about that. And and Eugene was standing there, and he's like, well, "What do you say? You know, I cannot speak on behalf of God." And he he, he said, uh, I'll, "I'll pray for that." And everybody said, "And those are tough soldiers who never been to to an uh, evangelical church." And they said, "Pray, let's pray." And it was raining. They knelt uh, right mm. there in the mud. And they were praying for for God to provide them uh, one one free night. And they were hugging as they were praying. Uh, next night was so silent; mm. it never happened mm. uh, like that before. Mm. And 
And it is, you know, God manifests himself in different ways in the front lines. But what what you said about um, some of your listeners being kind of so far from the front line, that's not really the case. When when you are on your knees, mm-hmm. it might be in your bedroom, not not in the mud of of uh, of eastern Ukraine. But it's the same thing. You are still on the front line when you're praying for for people to accept Christ. Mm-hmm. When you're praying for God to inter- intervene. When when you're praying for God to to support the Ukrainian Church to give them grace and power to minister at this crucial time, it is the front line. It is, and thank you for that reminder. Victor, I hate to even ask you this question because I feel like you've already answered it. But what does Jesus mean to you? Uh, as, as 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 you you, you were uh, asking this question, uh, some of uh, my my friends broadcasters, I, I I was kind of thinking about that. And of course, you you can talk a lot about it. But but what I cherish the most is the grace that Jesus gives me to minister to people. Mm-hmm. To be part of his work, not not only to be part of his family, not only to be saved, not not, not only to be uh, to to be embraced by Jesus. All all of that is is probably the most important stuff. But I really enjoy doing the ministry uh, f- with Christ through Christ. Mm-hmm. This this is what brings me the most joy in my life. When when you see how God is changing uh, people's lives, and you realize that that He gave you this opportunity to be part of this work. So to me, uh, that's um, that's where the joy of being with Jesus comes when, when we do ministry together with him. Gets you out of bed in the morning, doesn't it? And sometimes, yeah, it's impossible to go uh, to go back to uh, Exactly. To, to it works at both ends when you're serving Jesus sometimes. Why don't you lead us in prayer? Victor Akhtarov, the director uh, of FEPC for Eurasia, just lead us in prayer right now, would you? Heavenly Father, we are grateful uh, for the fact that you are our Father, wherever we are, in Ukraine, in Russia, in Eurasia, in Central Asia, in, in, in the United States. Uh, we are grateful for uh, you accepting us into your family. And as we are together, as we are one church, we, we ask for special grace today for, for the church in Ukraine, yes, uh, for the people of Ukraine, uh, mm. for those people who are seeking you, who are asking questions, be their answer, uh, be there for them, uh, open their eyes to the life they can have in Christ. Uh, so I'm praying for our listeners in Ukraine, I, I'm praying for uh, for the Russian government, mm. I'm praying for the Ukrainian government to make wise decisions, uh, I'm praying for peace in that land. I'm praying for peaceful resolution of mm. the conflict. And um, I'm also praying on God for, for all the listeners of Haven uh, today as 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 we listen together, as we enjoy being together. Uh, please minister to the needs of each one of us. In Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Victor Akhtarov, the FEBC, thank you. Thank you, Charles. It's such a such a privilege to be on, on this program in particular. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. I also want to give a special thanks to Victor, Alexei, and Olesi for giving us a new perspective of what's at stake in Russia and Ukraine 
if they go to war, as well as how we can join them in prayer so they don't go to war. And if you want to hear more conversations like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover the additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.